0: The Leavening Agent by Barbara Smith Once upon a time in a land far, far away, there lived a very little girl who was quite fascinated with her surroundings and living life to the fullest, as children tend to do at that age. Not a care in the world, but she stayed very busy because, after all, there were fireflies to catch and mud pies to make and many trees in her backyard that needed to be climbed. There was also the occasional monkey that could be spotted, and delicious fruit like mangoes and guavas on the trees to be picked. She lived in a land where there were many strange beliefs, smells, sounds, attractions, and cultures. It was a melting pot, as they call the United States, that had not yet melted or congealed, you might say. It was a land with a system known as apartheid, meaning where every race had to live separate lives. This was odd, however, to such a small girl. It was just a way of life at that time, and she felt no malice toward anyone for any reason. Now when you live in a strange land, it takes something very extraordinary to surprise you. But that day did come, and it was in the form of a visiting minister. Her name was Carrie Eastridge one fond memory that the little girl reminisces about is that she would always tell her to be sure to eat her carrots because they would help her eyesight after all no one has seen a rabbit wearing glasses also she would say that if you'd eat all your green beans they would put roses in your cheeks sister eastridge's arrival in south africa predated the little girl's arrival not only to life but to the country as well but upon her first meeting she seemed quite old like in her eighties or hundreds already when in fact she had barely hit seventy how time and perspective changes things she was not just an adventurer who was slightly eccentric or unique but a great woman of faith her biography can be read in a book called shouting on the hills written by her daughter and missionary nona freeman her faith was the kind that was earned through the hard knocks of life and by following the heart and will of god no matter the cost Born in 1893, she lived through a lot of what life was throwing at them back then, such as the Great Depression, etc., as well as personal sicknesses, infidelity of her spouse, death of children, and financial hardships, only to name a few. She came to know the Lord at age thirty-two in 1925 and began her quest in the ministry and preached her last sermon ten days before her death in 1981. Quite remarkable! now after chasing that squirrel let's get back to the story of the little girl though this little girl was so young there is one specific memory that stands out to her the most it is said that when all the human senses are involved in an experience you tend to remember things better well at least four of the five senses participated in this one smell, sight, touch, and taste. Sister Eastridge, as they called her, introduced the ladies to her delicious yeast roll recipe. How delectable they were! They smelled so good cooking, looked so good rising, felt so soft and fresh, and tasted like a little piece of heaven. She taught them how to mix the ingredients, how to knead the dough, and let it sit under a cheesecloth wrap for hours to rise, and how to roll it out, and the last step was to bake them the smell was so captivating and filled the entire house so that there would be great anticipation and mouth-watering going on way before they were ready to retrieve from the oven the only thing that sister eastridge did not have to worry about teaching the ladies or their families including the little girl was how to eat them that part came very naturally to all the only regret of the entire experience was that i did not preserve the recipe Yes, I was that little girl, a missionary's daughter, from the age of three years old, in a land far, far away. I might possibly be able to find the recipe in my late mother's treasures. That is such a vivid memory, yet it was over six decades ago. How fascinating and extraordinary the mind is. Sister Eastridge had to leave and return to the States due to her ill health, but she went on to continue her ministry until her passing at the age of 88 years old. Her great-granddaughter, Tresca Stuckey, became my best friend during our childhood years. We must hold on to these sweet moments, take them with us throughout life and cherish them. In this way we can appreciate them and relive them repeatedly. They bring joy and make the heart smile. I heard of a man named Louis Pasteur from a children's book that I used to read to my children when they were young decades ago now called The Value of Believing in Yourself. I remember it talking about the little soldiers in our body that would sometimes have to fight a good fight against infection yet possibly still not win the battle. This is where his discovery came into the equation because he found a way to call in more troops or reserves so to speak that would assist in the fight. His invention is what we know now, maybe to the dismay of many because of our recent differences of opinion, as vaccinations and immunizations. These have led to the eradication of many worldwide diseases such as polio, smallpox, and tetanus. Pasteur's discoveries are also accredited as assisting in developing the vaccines for rabies and anthrax, which has saved millions of lives. Pasteur was born in France and lived from 1822 to 1899 in a poor, humble home. Through many endeavors and much education, he became a chemist and a microbiologist, thus the name of the book that was in his honor. A real-life rags-to-riches story. More importantly he made many contributions to the medical field, science, technology, as well as food processing and safety. We now know that his study of vaccinations led him to other inventions, one being pasteurization, being named after him. This is the process of heating certain food items in order to destroy microorganisms, germs, enzymes, pathogens, and bacteria to prevent spoilage and extend the shelf life of products. This is quite easy to say in one sentence, but something that took years of research to actually discover and develop. If you are a lactose intolerant person, you will be glad to know that he discovered lactic acid being the compound that sours milk and many stomachs as well. And now, we have processes whereby we can remove the lactose or add enzymes to the milk to assist with digestion. Some call it ultra-pasteurized milk and it also comes with a high price tag. What Pasteur accomplished is too much to be able to share it all in this short article. Turns out he was a great artist as well and painted many portraits of his family over the years. Along the way, Louis Pasteur also discovered what we now know as the fermentation process. Though he came upon this discovery, put a name to it, and defined it, this process had already been used for thousands of years in making beer, wine, bread, cheese, yogurt, and many other food products. He discovered that it is caused by microorganisms like bacteria and yeast. These have the ability to convert glucose into different products. Antibiotics, enzymes, biofuels, hormones and more rely on the process of fermentation. Though men can now control this by changing temperature, oxygen levels, nutrients or pH levels, this occurs naturally in the digestive system of mammals including the human body. This allows them to produce their own vitamins for energy. Yeasts are not harmful or an irritant to the body if they are controlled. Solomon put it this way in Ecclesiastes 1.9, The thing that hath been, it is that which shall be, and that which is done, is that which shall be done, and there is no new thing under the sun. Mankind continues to explore and figure out little by little what God created for us thousands of years ago. Yeast is a part of the fungi family of over 1500 known species. They are living organisms that are all eukaryotes, meaning their cells are part of a nucleus. Many plants and animals are a part of this grouping. They are microscopic and yet capable of converting sugar into alcohol and carbon dioxide. Extraordinary! It is known for its baking qualities and abilities as a leavening agent. We now have baking powder that also is a leavening agent, but made from chemicals, whereas yeasts are living organisms. Because of this, they are not necessarily interchangeable. They both produce carbon dioxide in the baking goods to produce rising in a fluffier dough but in different ways. The yeast feeds off sugars in the flour, is a much slower and more natural process, and produces a wonderful unique smell and taste. Whereas the baking powder, though it causes the pastries to rise faster, does not have any extra flavor to offer and can produce a bitter taste at times. The dictionary definition of leaven is a substance such as yeast used to produce fermentation in dough or a liquid, a material such as baking powder used to produce a gas that lightens dough or batter, something that modifies or lightens. Leavening is to rise something such as bread with a leaven to mingle or permeate with some modifying, alleviating element. Synonyms of leaven are infuse, which implies a pouring in of something that gives new life or significance. Imbue, which implies the introduction of a quality that fills and permeates the whole being. Ingrain, suggests the deep implanting of a quality or trait. Inoculate, which implies an imbuing or implanting with a germinal idea and often suggests stealth and subtility. Leaven, which implies introducing something that enlivens, tempers, or markedly alters the total quality. There is a fine line between the beneficial aspects of yeast in food production, namely fermentation, versus yeast spoilage, microbiological factors. This occurs in molds, bacteria, and yeast. This would be an entire study within itself, but it is safe to say that this is a concern, especially in high moisture areas, when high sugar content is present in foods and the pH levels are low, or there are too many organic acids and many more reasons. This is the cause of adding so many preservatives in foods today, which are often controversial because some people can have an adverse reaction to them. However, they do serve a purpose. If there is too much spoilage it could be a health and economic catastrophe. There is a particular term used in the baking industry called rope spoilage. Vilgian and Von Holy stated Bactylus spore numbers can be controlled by ensuring raw material quality, good sanitation, and cooling of production and storage environments. Well with all that being said, the question is, do you think God knew what He was saying and commanding when He told the Israelites to eat unleavened bread? I for one do. Let me ask this question, what is your favorite brand of kitchen appliances? Whirlpool, General Electric, KitchenAid, Frigidaire, etc.? It was not until 1913 that Fred W. Wolfe from Fort Wayne, Indiana came up with the idea of a refrigerator for home use. Of course, it has evolved extensively since then. However, our personal preferences, which we all have, are of no consequences to those in the past, especially back in the Bible times. Therefore, we can see from this short synopsis they would not have had the proper conditions to preserve their bread properly. This is indeed one of the major reasons why God told them during their trek in the wilderness while He was providing them manna or the bread from heaven to only gather what they needed for the day for their families because the rest would rot. This was also a test to see if they would obey His command. Often tests come in unexpected manifestations exodus sixteen fifteen through twenty six and thirty one through thirty five tells the story and when the children of israel saw it they said one to another it is manna For they knew not what it was. And Moses said unto them, This is the bread which the Lord hath given you to eat. This is the thing which the Lord hath commanded. Gather of it every man according to his eating, and Omer for every man according to the number of your persons. Take it every man for them which are in his tents. And the children of Israel did so, and gathered some more and some less. And then they did meet it with an Omer, he that gathered much had nothing over, and he that gathered little, had no lack. They gathered every man according to his eating, and Moses said, Let no man leave of it till the morning. Notwithstanding they hearkened not to Moses, but some of them left it until morning, and it bred worms, and stank, and Moses was wrath with them. They did not pass the test. Another reason for the commandment to eat unleavened bread in the Old Testament is that leaven was also correlated with sin in the Old Testament. If we look at a few of the descriptions from the definitions we read earlier, they give us some clues. Leavening is something that modifies or lightens, it mingles, permeates, and modifies, changes the significance of, infuses, inoculates, ingrains, implants, and introduces something that tempers or alters the quality of. The Egyptians were said to be the first known civilization to use yeast in their baking dating back to 2600 BC. God wanted the Israelites to not only come out of Egypt physically but to separate themselves from their thinking, their actions, and their way of life and to trust the one true God implicitly We know they failed many times and murmured constantly as we all are guilty of so often. But everything that God asks of us is for our good. He is our Father and wants only the best for us. Because of this, the Israelites, as we often try to do as well, could persuade Him to allow them to have certain things such as the quail in the wilderness. However, it was ultimately not to their benefit god really does know what is best for us more correlations between sin and yeast or leavening could be that just as yeasts are living organisms so is sin it exists within us all and it will destroy us if it is not regulated controlled and eradicated just as bread spoils from yeast moles and bacteria if it is not properly moderated psalms fifty one five says behold i was shapen in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me romans three twenty three says for all have sinned and come short of the glory of god romans five twelve tells us wherefore as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin So death passed unto all men, for all have sinned. Sin is correlated with yeast or leavening because it changes us. It is an additive. Adam and Eve were not created with sin, but through their disobedience they lost their innocence. The fermentation and spoiling process began that day. They were out of control because they had used their free will to introduce the one ingredient that was forbidden. It was forbidden for their own good, but because it looked so good, smelled delicious, and was favorable to the touch, they were deceived. The Bible acknowledges that there may be pleasure in sin for a season, but it is not of God and will lead to destruction. 1 John 2.16 says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. Romans six twenty three confirms for the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord sin is also correlated with leavening agents or other living organisms because it causes sickness jesus knew this and correlated the two in his earthly ministry Matthew 9, 1 through 7 tells us the story, And he entered into the ship, and passed over, and came into his own city. And behold, they brought to him a man sick of the palsy, lying on a bed. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer, thy sins be forgiven thee. And behold, certain of the scribes said within themselves, This man blasphemed. And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Wherefore think ye evil in your hearts? For whether it is easier to say, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise, and walk? But that they may know that the Son of Man hath power on the earth to forgive sins. Then saith he to the sick of the palsy, Arise, take up thy bed, and go unto thine house. And he arose, and departed to his house. There is a leavening agent that rises up and introduces all the correct enzymes, antibodies, and preservatives that we need in our lives, and we know it as the Holy Ghost. Paul told the saints in Thessalonica in 1 Thessalonians 5:23, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the Spirit of God that makes us a new creature in Christ Jesus. He is the living being that can cure all our diseases, and regulate and assist in controlling the temptations that come our way daily. Even though we may know a lot of people that would consider themselves good people, because we are all born in sin, we do not have the ability within ourselves to moderate our evil nature without the changing power of God. He becomes the leavening agent that permeates our beings and changes and modifies us. We are spiritually depraved until we are filled with His Spirit and as such we will fall short as we read in Romans 3. However, when we introduce the Spirit of God into the recipe of life, we begin to take on the attributes of God, such as holiness, morality, goodness, mercy, and kindness. Let us see a few more in Galatians 5.22-23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, longsuffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Therefore, because His Spirit is alive and infiltrates our entire beings, we will rise up physically, spiritually, emotionally, economically, and socially. Ephesians 2 1-6 tells us, And you hath He quickened. We were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in times past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the Spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, For His great love wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace are ye saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Finally, His Spirit does not only preserve us unto that day, and raise us up now, but this wonderful leavening agent will raise us up in the last day. Romans 8, 11 says, But if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwelleth in you. Romans 8, 9 says, This is a must have ingredient. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man hath not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. First Corinthians 6.14 states, And God hath both raised up the Lord, and will also raise up us by his own power. Just as God wanted to be the one the Israelites turned to, obeyed, and followed in the Old Testament, He wants to be our all in all under the new covenant as well. We need to allow Him to be our leavening agent, to raise us up to newness of life each day, and to be our resurrection power when He returns for us. His Spirit is the living organism that preserves us and gives us that sweet smell and wonderful taste to those around us. Just as there is nothing like Sister Eastridge's freshly baked yeast rolls, there is nothing more satisfying than a daily dose of the sweet Spirit of God.